Refreshing, delicious and packed with the good stuff. It's The Juice with Louise Wilkinson on Newcastle Live Radio. Today on our relationship section, we're going to be diving into some very interesting topics, namely how your childhood attachments affect your current relationships. Here to discuss this more is Gabrielle Lorip, who is a relationships and sex therapist. Gabrielle, welcome back. Great to see you again, Louise. Yes, always lovely to have you here. Okay, so how does childhood attachments affect our relationships? Most of the relationship issues couples in come in to see therapists with are um, from childhood attachment wounds. Right. Yeah, so... That's why I suppose if partners take each other's stuff personally, we're just adding another layer on top of that childhood attachment wound. So we're best off to just try and um, talk to each other about it and be aware that the stories our minds make up that produce the feelings or the thoughts that we're having, we can't treat them as facts, mm. but they deserve to be seen and heard and, and some empathy. Because okay. they're usually from yeah, childhood attachment. Okay. So explain to me childhood attachment. Explain to me what sort of uh, what sort of patterns present. You could say there's three basic childhood attachments. There are more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can have secure attachment developed in childhood uh, where you felt positive and loved and really safe to um, be close with your parents or go off and do your own thing and come back and they're always welcoming. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might have developed avoidant attachment where you felt unloved and rejected um, and you couldn't trust that your parents are going to be there. And that might not be because your parents are bad or anything like that. It might be because they're dealing with illness or their own unhealed childhood wounds or you're growing up in a war zone or they or they have to work all the time because exactly. they can't afford it yeah, to yeah. be there. So yeah, so it would be, you know, if you've got... They're, they're working and you come home and you need to yeah. sort your own dinner and, and that sort of thing. So yeah. you can't necessarily rely on them being there when you may need them. Absolutely. Mm. It, you can end up uh, being neglected accidentally mm. if you have good parents because they just can't afford to be there all the time. Yeah. Um, you might develop anxious or ambivalent attachment uh, and you might commonly feel angry and confused uh, because sometimes they're there and sometimes they're not. So you have some trust issues mm-hmm. uh, and I suppose the main couples that come in feeling that in the most pain when they come to see me or other therapists are usually when an avoidant attachment and an anxious attachment has gotten together because mm-hmm. <laughs> the way they regulate or soothe their emotions is totally different right <laughs> I see the issue <laughs> yeah Okay, so how would how would you treat that? I suppose I show them a really good um, uh, handout from the Gottman Institute, which mm-hmm. talks about the uh, the push demand withdraw cycle that can happen emotionally yes. during an argument. Uh, so usually you have the person who wants to sort it out right now. Mm-hmm. and wants to talk about it and, you know, then we can resolve it and then my emotions will feel good again. Yes. And yours will too. That's what we think. And then you'll have the withdraw person. Well, I'll just withdraw until you calm down and then <laughs> my emotions will feel good again and you'll feel better too. I'll just give you some space. And yep. so <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. 
<laughs> this is that. it's hitting home. Yep. <laughs> and it's so common. And and what it looks like, uh, the person who has the let's sort it out now um, attachment style or, or the demand or pursue um, attachment style, they'll feel like the withdrawing person doesn't care, um, can't be bothered, or that they're a burden. Like when they want to share their feelings or needs, it's a, it's a burden. Mm. So eventually they'll shut down and maybe start withdrawing themselves. Um, the withdrawal person feels like the other person is trying to control them mm. and trying to smother them or, you know, won't let them have their space. But there's there's a healthy way of taking a time out and an unhealthy way. Right. So a healthy way of taking a time out, um, which is a great idea because when our attachment uh, systems are activated, we might be in our flight, fight or freeze response. Yes. And we're not really in our prefrontal lobe that has – you know, where our healthy conflict resolution skills might be, impulse control and rational thought. Yes. <laughs> so it's, it's a good idea sometimes to call a timeout. You can just make the symbol with your hands, like a T. Um, but you have to negotiate that in times of peace and say, look, babe, I might need to call a timeout so I can go process things and calm down if I feel flooded or overwhelmed. Mm. Uh, but I will come back to our discussion and, uh, you know, just... Um, trust that I will come back. We, I'll t- let's decide to talk about it tomorrow or on the weekend, and I will sit down and talk about it with you. Or we can write it down first um, in some healthy ways that we've mm. been that we've learnt. And an unhealthy way of calling a timeout is giving us si- the silent treatment or stonewalling. Mm. So the silent treatment, uh, you know, uh, you give bare minimum answers like mm, uh, yeah, or you might chop vegetables loudly but you don't tell anyone what's going on. Mm. <laughs> um, or stonewalling is when your partner wants to put a topic on a table and due to your childhood, you're really scared of confrontation over anything. So you just avoid it. You keep putting, fobbing them off. You say, oh, no, I've got to go to work. Oh, no, I better bath the kids. Oh, no, I've got to go to soccer. Oh, yeah, oh, oh, let's do this after yoga. But you never, ever get back to it. So... Stonewalling and silent treatment are not healthy ways of having a time out. <laughs> mm. It does help if that person you can you can recognise in that person that you know they they are emotionally flooded and they're processing what the issue is. It does help just to say, "I haven't forgotten about it. I'm not ignoring you. I am coming back to it." Uh, that makes a huge difference and really is a really respectful way of acknowledging the other person who may want to get it out on the table and get it fixed straight away. That seems to be like a, a good compromise in terms of dealing with both of those attachment styles. It really is. And and the only tiny hiccup in that is that uh, expecting someone to do that when they're flooded to actually say that amount of stuff oh babe I really care about what you're saying I will come back to it right now I'm flooded I'm just going to have a break and then I'll come back they might not have access to the part of the brain (laughs) that allows them (laughs) to say that they could be in their freeze response so they might be or they might have disassociated so it's best to negotiate any of these agreements when you're both feeling calm and happy in times Mm. of peace because neither of you might be very Online and have access to that part of the brain that knows what's remembers what's going on. That's why you come see a therapist because then we can say, "Hey guys, I'm noticing." 
<laughs> oh, geez, you'd have some fun with me. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that seems that seems like a really uh, interesting thing, and it's really interesting to me that you know something that happened in childhood can actually have such an effect. Yeah, you know, and not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, you know, yeah. I I work all the hours that God sends. Yeah. you know, my daughter is getting herself to work this afternoon, and it's amazing how it carries through. Absolutely, and, and being aware of it is is an amazing start. Oh, I would love all of this stuff to be studied a lot earlier. You know. So so people don't flounder around and feel parents, like I'm a parent, we can all feel guilty or ashamed and go, oh, my God, have I ruined their attachment systems like in our kids? But the good thing is you can always develop secure attachment later on. Mm. And, yeah, um, a lot of parents didn't know how to do it and their parents didn't know how to do it. So we're only just learning all this stuff now. Mm. But if you do have young kids still um, and you want to help them develop secure attachment, uh, you can go to the Circle of Security website, mm. which has really good clips on how parents can do that with their young kids. Excellent. Yeah, but you only have to get it right 40% of the time like to raise a healthy human. So, oh, That's yeah. a big relief to all of us out there, I think. <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh, Including me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look, uh, Gabrielle, again, Absolute gold and love what you have to say about that. And if you're recognising some of these things in yourself, you can find Gabrielle at Thrive Wellness Hub and she can impart her knowledge to you and help you to heal your attachment styles and have healthy attachments with your partners. Gabrielle, thanks so much for joining us once again. You're welcome. 